0: You will give the people an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders.
1: Hello there. Welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts. One man who was certainly sent to Earth in a giant butt plug is bread Roll, and one man who was wearing his pants on the outside long before it was cool is JT. <laughs> Hello,
0: everyone. Yeah, and I still do, and it's still not cool. <laughs> maybe it is. Who knows? <laughs> Normally, when I'm drunk and I get dressed in the dark, that that's probably what happens. Hello, everyone. Oh.
1: I suppose it depends on the light in the venue, really, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what pants I'm wearing, you know. Some, some of them, <laughs> the, t- the, the tighty whities, I can't get on over my clothes. But, you know, anyway, that's another story again.
1: <laughs> there we go. Fashion advice from JT to start us off. And this week <laughs> we are looking at a film called Man of Steel, which is a Zack Schneider movie that was supposed to be, the well, it was the birth of the uh, DC Extended Universe. It has now kind of been made redundant. But it did give birth to a few movies, um, two of which we've already covered in The Suicide Squad. This movie came out on the June 10th, 2013. It's nearly 10 years old, which is a bit shocking. It runs for 143 minutes, although the original cut was three and a half hours long. And it had a budget of 225, or between 225 and 258 million, and it came back with 668 million. So I love it when Wiki give these budgets that are really fucking miles <laughs> apart. It's like, what, they just gave you an extra 30 million out of the blue, didn't they?
0: I know, it's pretty random, isn't it, as well? 225 to 258, which is quite a precise figure. I mean, was it 258? Where did they get that figure from? Good old <laughs> oh, yeah. Wiki, you've got to love it, haven't you, really? It did did quite well, though, better than the Suicide Squad did last week, 668 return, so yeah, it did all right.
1: Yeah, it did uh, did pretty well for itself. I mean, it was quite a... Um, a um... Oh, what's the what's the name sort of thing? People were looking forward to this film. I can't think of a fancy word for it. But obviously the MCU was kind of well underway. We just had the Nolan Batman trilogy that was a massive success, although not linked to a wider universe. So they're obviously looking to um, kick off the DC Extended Universe with the Man of Steel himself. Now, I was going to ask you, because obviously we've known each other a long time and you've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. Now, traditionally, you're not a comic book fan as such, although you you know, you like the Suicide Squad movies. I know you are a fan of Tank Girl, um, and you read The Code in Cambria graphic novels, and you've liked things like The Boys and stuff. Did you ever watch any of the older Superman movies, like the um the Richard Donner ones with Christopher Reeve or anything, or are you completely, like, blank when it comes to the Superman character?
0: No, I, I loved the old ones with Christopher Reeve. I mean, I grew up with those. I guess I was a schoolboy when those came out, and I do remember them all. They're, I mean, they're probably shit these days, no disrespect to Christopher Reeve, but... Um, Yeah, I loved them back in the day, but it's the modern superhero films I just don't get. And I know, obviously, I suggested the two Suicide Squad films the last couple of weeks we've done. Um, Probably stitched you up with those a bit, Brad Roll. But (laughs) I don't really see them as um, superhero films. I see them more as just fun standalone films that have to have Margot Robbie, which is also a bonus for me, um, rather than something as, as sort of a bigger universe thing. And flipping over to MCU, I've never... Really, even been bothered with the MCU stuff, and every time I say that to people, they look at me like I've got three heads, like I'm some kind of fucking alien. You don't like Marvel, you don't like MCU. It just, it just doesn't appeal to me, bread roll. But I think it's just the modern twist on superhero. It's just all very samey for me. It's just it's just rinse and repeat, as far as I'm concerned.
1: No, that's that's a fair point. I mean, as you know, I, I'm quite fond of like comic books growing up and stuff. But I always. Went more for the darker stuff. Like one of my favourite characters is um, Judge Dredd, uh, for example, and he's had like two movies in his time, and they're like fucking miles apart and what quality levels they're at. But um, <laughs> yeah, and I know what you mean about all being the same because I don't mind the MCU, but um, up to a point, it's a formula that just gets rinsed and repeated. And like you can, I can watch the movies up to a certain set, and then it's like fucking out. Every movie is now the same, and I did go off it. And I think this movie and the DCU, um, as it's called. It's quite, it's not controversial, that's the wrong word, but it's kind of, it very much divides fans because they're so used to the formula that MCU brings. And DC, Warner Brothers, and Zack Schneider wanted to bring something completely different. Um, so I think that's why this movie is quite diverse. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you, uh, you have to say about it. One thing straight off the bat is this movie's got a fucking awesome cast in it. I mean, Henry Cavill, yes. like he's um, obviously we all love Henry Cavill. He's like probably like the most handsome bloke that ever existed, really. And he's fucking massive in this movie. Um, but you've got like, people like Michael Shannon, good old Kevin Cosner, Diane Lane, Lawrence Fishburne. Like, the cast is really impressive. Russell Crowe as well is, uh, is in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you suggested this, um, I didn't really pay much attention until today when I watched it and I flicked it up on IMDb and I looked at the cast and obviously I knew Henry Cavill was uh, Superman. But I was like, shit, yeah, this is a big cast. I didn't realise people like Russell Crowe, Lawrence Fishburne were even in this film. So yeah, it was a bit of a shock. I mean, obviously... These films always drawing the cast. But yeah, it's um, it's quite a big one. And uh, the whole way through this film, I was um, old Colonel Hardy, Krista Maloney. I kept looking at him thinking, who the fuck is he? And he was the main guy in Happy, wasn't he? That really fucking weird thing that was on Netflix a few years back.
1: Fuck, yeah, he was. Well, I remember you telling me to watch that. Um, it took me a little while to actually get my ass to Mars and watch it. But um, I did in the end. But yeah, you're right. I, I didn't twig, actually. I watched this. I've seen this film several times, Um, but I never actually twigged. That's who it was. But good shout there.
0: I had to fucking uh, look on IMDb to see who he was, but I kept thinking and thinking, I recognise you. You know he looks pretty different in Happy, he's obviously the same guy, so you can kind of put two and two together, but I just couldn't quite put my finger on who he was. And if anyone hasn't watched Happy, complete digression. Um, watch it, it's fucking weird. I don't even know if he's still on Netflix, but it's great fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit. It's one to enjoy with a few drinks, I'll tell you that much from what I remember of it. But um... Yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say, just before we start on the synopsis, is um, uh, fair play to Henry Cavill, as we know. He's obviously a bit of a... He's a large chap, isn't he? But um, Mm. he actually... The studio and everything were telling him to do steroids and stuff to get in shape for Superman, and he refused to do it. He wanted to make his physique as Superman-ish as possible um, and really push his body to the limits. So fair play to him. And to be honest, he's fucking massive in this. I mean, he's bigger now, which is insane to say. Like, when you see him playing The Witcher... And in the more up to date times that he's played Superman, it's so I didn't think he'd get any bigger, but fuck me, he's a bit of a specimen, isn't he? And he was insisting that um, Superman had a hairy chest, which we get to see at one point.
0: Yeah, that's spun me out actually. I've never seen Superman have a hairy chest before. Um, yeah, he's big in this, and I was thinking—I mean, I'm not—I don't watch The Witcher and things like that, so I'm not completely familiar with Henry Cavill as, as a character, you know, as an actor. And I was wondering if he is normally that big, but obviously he is, I guess.
1: Yeah, he's massive. Apparently, when he was younger, he, um, he was really uh, self-conscious about like his body and his physique. He was a bit of a chubster, probably looked a bit like me, apart from much taller and much more handsome. Um, and he actually, a little story here, before we get started, I'll stop digressing in a minute, but he met um, Russell Crowe when he was starting out, and Russell Crowe gave him some advice about how to get into the industry, and that gave him a bit more confidence, and he kind of got himself in shape. That's also why Russell Crowe um, is in this movie, because Henry Cavill requested him because he saw him as kind of his, his intro, like his father figure in the movie industry. So he wanted him as his father figure in this movie, which is his first big kind of like mainstream uh, sort of like headlining movie, really. The movie that kind of put him on the map.
0: Oh, fair play. I mean, he's done all right for himself, Henry Cavill. And if that's off the back of Russell Crowe's advice, then good work, Russell Crowe, who's also done pretty well for himself.
1: Yeah, right, maybe I'll meet Russell Crowe one day, or it'll change my life for me. But uh, let's have a look (laughs) at the movie and see what it's all about. So um, this uh, synopsis, as usual, comes from Wiki, but I have fleshed it out a bit more because it is a bit haphazard and the movie does jump around a little bit. So hopefully the bits I've added will make it make a bit more sense. So the planet Krypton is destabilised from the mining of a planetary core. Just before the planet explodes, Krypton's Supreme Council Chief Advisor Jor-El Infuses a genetics codex into his infant son, Kal-El, the first natural born Kryptonian child in centuries. Jor-El manages to send Kal-El in a spacecraft towards Earth before being killed by General Zod during an uprising. Kal-El lands in Kansas, where he is adopted by Jonathan and Martha Kent, and named Clark. Uh, Earth is populated by a seemingly intelligent population. So um, that is the uh, the kind of intro. It's quite a long intro, I think, this um, event on Krypton. What did you think of this bit?
0: Yeah, it's, it is quite a long one. It's quite full on as well, isn't it? That start where, obviously, we see Superman being born. I've got a weird thing about births. I don't know why. I don't like seeing them. Um, <laughs> although it's not, obviously, you don't see the, the gruesome details of the, you know, the birth end. I don't know. I just don't really enjoy seeing people giving birth on screen. Um, but yeah, you've got all the kind of weird shit going on where Superman's born. And I thought the environment on Krypton, it reminded me very much of the Star Wars prequels. I don't know if you, I mean, obviously you've seen this film a few more times. It's the First time I've ever seen it. It just gave me that kind of Star Wars prequel, the shit prequel vibes. Not that this was shit in any way. It's just that kind of environment. I don't know if you have got that at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It reminds me of planets like Felucia. Um, it's kind of like, like you say, the prequel Star Wars, verse, um, mixed with Jurassic Park, because he loads mm. of wildlife going on. And J- um, sorry, uh, yeah, Jawel. Jor- sorry, getting the names right. He flies around on like some big fucking. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It's like a tiger cross with a dragonfly. Um, and then obviously got like Zod and all his crazy soldiers and stuff I, I like Zod I like um, Michael Shannon he's a great actor and it's strange to see him playing someone who's so kind of imposing in this because he normally plays the more quirky characters but their armor and everything is badass it reminds me of like Prometheus um, like what the Prometheans are wearing are, like almost an alien vibe to it but yeah it was a pretty um, quite a kind of loud and proud intro to the movie really because it's quite a somber movie it's quite a serious movie it doesn't carry loads of humorous tones to it and uh, just kind of kicks things off pretty um, dramatically really.
0: Yeah, it was almost like the end of a film, but at the start, if that makes sense, there's obviously a battle and everything kicks off and it's quite full on and dramatic and it's, it's quite a, quite a mad intro to a film. And I, I did kind of like the cool sort of mix where you had the massive explosions going on and sort of dragon-y old Russell Crowe flying around on, but the mixture of tech as well and the armour, it kind of was a strange mix, but it, it did kind of work.
1: Cool. So then we cut to modern day where Clark is working on a fishing trawler that responds to a distress call from an oil rig. Clark saves the workers on the oil rig, but is blown into the water by an explosion where he has a flashback of his childhood, being scared at school due to not being able to control his X-ray vision and hearing abilities. Clark emerges from the ocean and continues his journey after stealing some clothes. He has another flashback of the day his school bus crashed into a river. Although he was able to save everyone, we see a conversation he has with his dad, Jonathan, who explains to Clark that he is not from this world and he needs to be careful when using his powers. Um, Now, I've mentioned it before, and I know I've said it to you a few times. I'm not a big fan of flashbacks, uh, especially movies Mm -hmm. that rely on them. But I'm going to sound like a hypocrite here. I don't mind them in this film because it saves the movie half and I have a really long intro of Clark growing up and becoming Superman. He's pretty much already on a journey and we just see glimpses that kind of just give us these little nuggets of how what his dad said to him shaped him and little events in his life that happened. Um, what do you think of these uh, of the movie so far?
0: The first one confused me. So I didn't really know what was going on because you see him doing the oil rig thing and all that and I thought that was cool. It was well filmed and looked good but I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And he's in the sea and I I got really fucking spun out by all that and then obviously we see him as a kid and I was like right, I was sort of trying to work out and I kind of put two and two together, I mean maybe I was being a bit stupid and not concentrating too much. One thing I've got in my notes here, just going back, when um, they're on the planet and they have that fight on Krypton and Zod and all that, they get captured and they get put into those pods that kind of morph around them and they take off into the air, they all look like giant fucking dildos, did you not notice (laughs) that?
1: (laughs) <laughs> the Phantom Zone Dildo is that what I record.
0: I'm just looking at my notes and I thought I need to mention that because it did make me laugh earlier. I looked up and I was like, they're all being fucking morphed into these big fucking phallic shaped things. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe they had a good time in the Phantom Zone while they in there, you never know. But um maybe one thing I did know I forgot to mention it. Um but yeah, the fucking craft that Jarrell sends Clark in, this looks like a fucking bat plug when he fires it into space. That's so, so you spotted the dildo <laughs> or the uh, the anal intruder. So, so you're on the oh spot. somewhere.
0: <laughs> maybe Geiger has something to do with this film in in you know, somewhere with its whole sexual connotations. And later on in the film, jumping ahead a little bit, talking about the crafts and what they look like. I thought one of the the ships that um, Zod and his crew come down on looked like one of the bugs from Starship Troopers.
1: I thought exactly. I've always thought that. Yeah, exactly the same thing. I think it's in my notes a bit further on, but I'm glad you picked up on that. Um, One thing I did like about this film, because when I saw it in the cinema when it first came out, I didn't really look too much further into the cast of who was in there, but I was quite happy seeing Kevin Costner. I liked him growing up, um, films like Robin Hood and such. Um, And I think he plays Jonathan Kent really well. He's got like a really good balance of like that kind of, good fatherly figure, and obviously some pretty emotional bits a bit later into the film, but I do like a bit of Kevin Costner.
0: Yeah, he's a good actor, isn't he? I don't know why, but in this film, somehow, he reminded me of Nicolas Cage. I think it was his accent. <laughs> I don't know. I just... He had some uh, a few Cage moments, I thought, in some of the scenes he was in.
1: Oh, man, imagine what the film had been like. If they, well, Nicolas Cage was going to be Superman once, wasn't he, in a Tim Burton movie, <laughs> which never happens, but... Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So um, we now see Clark working in a diner where he overhears some soldiers discussing a strange object they found in the ice. After dealing with an arrogant customer, Clark heads to the dig site located in the Canadian Arctic, where Daily Planet reporter Lois Lane has been assigned to investigate the discovery. Clark enters the ship disguised as a worker and learns from his artificial intelligence, uh, modelled after his father, jor that Clark was sent to Earth to guide its people. While following Clark, Lois inadvertently triggers the ship's security system, and he uses powers to rescue Lois from its defences. Clark leaves in the ship while Lois heads back to the mainland and writes a report on her discovery of the ship and the alien man, um, which her editor, Perry White, um, suspends her and refuses to publish it, as it will cause panic. Lois then leaks the story to an internet conspiracy theorist. Now, again... um, there's obviously three kind of like sections of the movie, but one thing, every time I watch this movie and Clark's working in that bar, a little fucking trucker twat who like squares up to him. I'm just like, I just want him to put him through the fucking floor. And I know that's the whole mm. point of him obviously restraining himself and what his dad's teaching him. But I'm kind of thinking, man, just go fucking homelander on this little bell end and fucking break him in half or something.
0: Yeah, I thought that as well, and I I thought he was going to, then I realised, obviously, it's going to go against everything he's been told, and he would properly leather this guy and, you know, he wouldn't survive. But one thing I've always noticed as well in these films, there's always a bar scene, and there's always fucking aggro. Now, I've never been to America, but I've been to plenty of pubs, and I've seen a little bit of aggro here and there. But it would appear that every time you go for a drink in a bar in America, you're going to get beaten up. Just the way it happens, isn't it, in all these films, and TV programmes as well.
1: That's true. And this guy's a trucker as well. And he's already fucking necking the beers, isn't he? And not being funny, I mean, I know obviously he doesn't know that obviously Clark is obviously Superman or Kal-El, whatever you want to call him. But fucking Henry Cavill's like twice the size of this bloke. He could have just fucking beaten the shit out of him, even if he wasn't Superman. But it's just like, this guy is such a little shit. And I'm just like, oh, mate, just fucking, like you say, put him through the table, but he doesn't. But he does a number on his truck, which no one manages to hear. I know he's Superman, but he (laughs) shoves like... He rips this fucking truck apart and shoves like telephone posts for it, and no one manages to fucking hear the commotion outside of him doing it.
0: Yeah, it's quite impressive that. And um going back to the, the guys in the bar who having a go at him, as he's leaving, even after he's sort of calmed down, he's like, right, well, I'm not going to fucking do this. One of them chucks a fucking beer can at his head. It's like you're asking for trouble, mate. You know, you've just avoided the battering, but now you're asking for one anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing about this film, and like it does kind of skip around a little bit. I mean, it sort of like follows a story and is a little bit convenient. Like, he just happens to be in a bar and the soldiers are like, oh, yeah, we just found a, a spaceship or something. It's like, not exactly keeping it confidential, <laughs> are you? Just fucking sat there discussing it over a burger and fries or something. But it does obviously lead the story forward. Um, when he actually gets to the Antarctic and you sort of see him kind of in the background of Lois and he goes to the ship, I really, really like the effects they put on his eyes when he uses his laser eyes to help Lois because she's been shot and he like cauterizes her wound. The way like the veins come up around his eyes, I think looks really good.
0: Yeah, that was cool. It did confuse me though a little bit. Like I say, it jumps around so much and we get introduced to Lois. I'm like, right, cool. Right. Like, okay. Now she's in the Antarctic or wherever she is. That, that's fine. They tell her not to go outside. It's just like, it's going to be minus 40 at night. And if you, go outside basically you'll die and we won't find you till spring she goes out anyway fair enough she's a reporter that's what she does <laughs> but it does fucking jump around a little bit and i was getting a little bit fucking confused as to what was going on at this point
1: yeah and again i think we mentioned it with the suicide squad and the whole dcu again it's all being kind of rebooted now and jigged around but this movie like i said earlier was supposed to be three and a half hours long because obviously he's action not can't make a fucking short movie can he um, no. it's probably slow motion. But again, I think it was a lot of meddling from the studio that cut it down and piss around a bit. So probably that's why it jumps around as much as it does, because it is a little bit disorientating the first time you watch it.
0: Yeah, totally get that. And it, uh, kind of looking back on it now after watching it, it does make a lot more sense. But as you're watching it, you're just like, what the fuck? Who's this? Why is, that? Why is she there? Why is this happening? But it does all sort of come together, I guess, in the end. It's just a bit confusing at the time
1: yeah yeah definitely and i do like the bit where um it's a bit weird that like there just happens to be a ghost of Jarrell on this ship that's been obviously like thousands of years old but his ghost happens to be on there or he's like ai or whatever it is but i do like the way here it kind of takes a moment to stop and he explains like he introduces cowl to his people tells him that he used to be explorers and he finds out that obviously zod is not to be obviously trusted or anything and at this point they don't know zod's escaped but they kind of just get a little bit of like everything he's going to need for the rest of the movie really
0: yeah, I mean, that, that's quite handy in, in this film because it tells quite a lot of the story. They just keep going back to speak to him and he keeps giving sort of big plots away. So he is quite useful, although it's pretty fucking random the way he just keeps appearing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, aboard the ship, Kal-El is given a Kryptonian uniform with the symbol of the House of El and begins testing his flying abilities. Meanwhile, Lois tracks down Clark in Smallville by following the local stories of his mysterious heroics over the years with the intent of exposing him. However, Lois drops the story upon hearing of Jonathan Kent's sacrifice, keeping Clark's identity safe, which fuels Perry's suspicion. We cut to a military Perry base, which has detected a UFO, when I can speak, entering Earth's atmosphere soon after all the Earth's devices receive a signal from General Zod requesting kal to surrender himself, or for the humans to turn him in within 24 hours, or they will suffer the consequences." Lois Lane is arrested by the FBI for suspected treason. Meanwhile, Clark visits a priest and explains he is the one Zod is looking for. He knows Zod can't be trusted, but he isn't sure whether the people of Earth can be trusted either. The priest informs Clark that sometimes you have to take a leap of faith. Clark has another flashback of when he was being beaten up and his father's words saying, when he grows up, he has to decide the type of person he's going to be, because good or bad, that person is going to change the world. Another sort of like chunk there that sort of like rounds itself out of a flashback. We actually get quite a lot, and I really do like that scene where he's learning to fly. The music in this movie is fucking awesome. I love it. Um, but that scene where he's like learning and he's sort of like at one minute he jumps really high and then he just crashes through a fucking mountain and destroys it. It's like surely a fucking scientist would have detected that.
0: Yeah, i I sort of thought that as well. I mean some of the CGI looks a bit ropey when he's learning to fly, but yeah, he completely fucking smashes into this mountain destroys it, but luckily Superman and just sort of bounces back and carries on.
1: Yeah, it's good. I mean, some of the um the destruction in this movie a bit later on is fucking mental. Um, but they mm-hmm. do give a good emphasis with this. Like, it's like they if they wanted to show how powerful Superman is. They do it, but fucking out sometimes it's like fucking out. It's a bit over the top, isn't it? Um, one thing I really liked is when Lois manages to track him down. She does it quite easily, but they kind of reference it. It's like. This is a modern take of a character that was invented like 70 or 80 years ago. And he's, like she even says, you know, people talk, there's social media, there's obviously camera phones all over the place. It wouldn't be hard for someone to track him down if they wanted to. And I think that's an issue with how they modernize some of these superhero characters. Because back in the day, we didn't have all that stuff. But nowadays, so something happens, everyone's waving their fucking phones around. So these secret identities and things just don't work the way they used to for these characters.
0: Yeah, that's completely true, and it's a really good point. I mean, you can't do anything these days without getting found out on social media. I mean, people are getting found out for things they did 10, 15 years ago now um, because of social media and things like that. So, yeah, it is quite scary. Um, One thing that's a bit weird, I thought, is old Zod does his message, and I thought that was quite cool when it comes up on the TV and everything, and I can't remember what it actually says now. I've got it in my notes, but I can't find it. So we've jumped around a few few (laughs) paragraphs. But... They all seem just to believe that Zod's the good guy and Superman's the bad guy and they need to you know, sort him out and give him back to Zod. But they don't know this fucking Zod guy from Adam anyway. He could be anyone. But they're like, yeah, he must be telling the truth. He's hijacked our TVs and stuff. So he must be
1: cool. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And again, I think this is, again, where people don't like the movie, but it's one of the elements I like. It's, it's portraying a story of what would humanity be like if a man like Superman was real? It's not like, oh, it's Superman. He flies around with his pants on Inside Out and rescues cats from trees. It's like, how would humanity react in the face of finding out someone like this exists among us? But like you say, like Zod turns up and that bit where he's like, you are not alone and all the messages come up is really fucking creepy. Um, It's almost like an Independence Day moment. But um, yeah, you're right. They all just seem to be like, oh yeah, the Superman, whoever he is or Kal-El must be fucking evil. It's like, hang on, this guy's just turned up in a big fucking death metal spaceship and you think he's a good guy. Hang on a minute.
0: Yeah, it's just, well, as a bit strange. You know, they've been tracking this thing. There's a UFO and it's all over the news, even though they tried to keep it secret. Obviously, it's never going to be kept secret. And the next thing, they're just believing everything he says. I'm like, you don't know who this fucking guy is.
1: One bit about Zod's message, um, and I have clocked it a few times, but I was reminded because I spotted it earlier when I was just doing a bit of research. Um, it shows like he's transmitting to literally every device around the globe. So you see people in like, well, it's like India, Mexico, like all around the place, but it's nighttime in every shop. So everyone on Earth at that point oh, right. in time happens to be at night, which um, I have noticed a couple of times, but it's not something that's obvious. But when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that doesn't make sense.
0: I, d- I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, good spot bread roll. I did like the bit where old Lois is about to name him Superman because she says about the S and she says, call you Super. And as he's about to say Superman, the, the army interrupt, Don't know, they? they come along and do their thing. But she was about to sort of name him Superman. But then later on, they just start calling him Superman anyway
1: yeah they do he doesn't actually get his namesake until like let's say like just before the final act of the movie but yeah that is a nice little tease they do reference the fact that they refer to him as the alien a lot in this again which i think is Mm. good it's kind of like when they refer to batman as the batman it's like not that kind of like um one-on-one like you're not friends with anything he's just like a character that you're not really you're pretty unsure of at that point in time
0: yeah yeah totally
1: so Kellel reveals himself to the military and requests that um, they let him speak to Lois. The military declare that they have orders to turn Cal over to Zod. Cal does not resist, but Zod requests Lois be taken too. Cal secretly passes co- his codex to Lois. Following Clark and Lois's surrender, Cal begins to lose his powers due to the atmosphere composition on the ship. During a dream sequence, he glimpses Zod's plans to destroy Earth and use the codex to rebuild Krypton anew. Zod's science officer, Jax Er, extracts Clark's genes to create Kryptonian colonists who will build a society based on Zod's ideal of genetic purity. Using the Jor-El AI to take over the ship, Lois manages to alter the ship's atmosphere to match Earth's, allowing Cal to regain his powers and break free. Clark and Lois flee. Um, Lois heads off to warn the military of Zod's plan while Cal rushes to his farm where Zod is interrogating his mother, leading to a destructive conflict between Cal and Zod's forces in Smallville um this bit on the ship i really liked but the dream sequence no matter how many times i've seen this film, it's really weird to me it looks fucking awesome there's a bit where he's like sinking into all these skulls and it just looks like, something like a terminator but i'm like how is zod talking to him is he passed out is zod in his head it's really really um jarring the way it's good because it gives you a lot of like the backstory and it reveals zod's plans but it's always been a little bit jarring for me on this bit i don't know about you yeah,
0: it's a bit strange isn't it again i've seen this for the first time earlier because it makes out there on earth at that, that sort of the, the farm and everything and then he sinks into the skulls and yeah I was a bit confused as to exactly what was going on there obviously Zod's given his big plan that's his speech but yeah the whole setting and the way it was done was a little bit confusing to be honest
1: yeah I mean one of the main takeaways is obviously at this point Cal finds out that Zod killed his dad which has obviously pissed him right off um but then we get to that bit um and it's, this is fucking awesome, but it's ridiculous at the same time. This fight in Smallville, and it's obviously mild to what's going to come in a little bit later on, but it really emphasises how powerful Kryptonians are. And the fight is like, it's so cool to watch, but you're like, fuck now, this town has just been completely demolished by these guys fighting.
0: Yeah, I've got exactly the same thing. Obviously, Superman's supposed to be the saviour and everything, although people don't realise that at the time. But inadvertently, having this fight, he's managed to destroy pretty much the half the fucking city and i don't know i'm sure some people must have been killed in the process because it's absolutely fucking full on isn't it places is just, just getting flattened he's just taking out buildings left right and center
1: yeah because he ends up obviously he's fighting zod and then he punches his, obviously because they're not used to the atmosphere in earth so they don't understand when all their senses and they get like the um the radiation from the sun and they start getting the same powers as him it's too much for them to take in so he kind of exploits that that's how he defeats them but he ends up fighting a fucking massive guy called Namek and then um Feora All, who I think is a really cool character. And like yeah. they're fucking throwing trains at each other, and she like gets shot of a missile and just fucking takes it to the hand. And there's a bit where she like kills like a load of soldiers, and the way she just flits between them using like her speed movement, it just looks amazing, but at the same time, you're just like fucking hell, it's just it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sort of destruction, but it's not obviously brutal this is a 12 rated film and it's probably about as far as they could go without because i mean it could have been a lot more brutal and a lot more bloody but they toned it down and it kind of works for this sort of film one thing i noticed as well is zod's just randomly grown a goatee you know for no apparent reason obviously he's got a bit older maybe and he just thought he'd uh, sport a bit of facial hair for some reason
1: yeah yeah that's true because because i suppose um, i swear like Cal mentioned at one point he's been on earth 33 years so Zod's obviously and his group have been in the Phantom Zone or out of the Phantom Zone for that same amount of time. And like I say the only thing they've done to age him is just give him a little bit of a goatee, but all the others still look pretty much exactly the same as they did at the start of the film.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got a scar on his head as well, hasn't he, Zod, where old uh, Russell Crowe battered him in the opening scene, which amazed me, actually. So he gets smashed about, and Russell Crowe's punched him in the face quite a bit. But he turned. He only has a scar the top of his head where he crashed into a wall at one point, so Russell Crowe beats him in the face, didn't do anything to him. So he's kind of got this scar down the side of his head from that. But other than that, apart from the goatee, he looks pretty much the same.
1: Well, yeah, considering like when they're having that fight at the start, they're both wearing these big fucking gnarly armoured suits and everything. And obviously on their planet, they're just normal people. It's the Earth's sun that gives them their superpowers and makes them like Superman. So they wouldn't have even been throwing any punches of extra grunt. They would have just been like two regular blokes fighting. But yeah, he just manages to get one cut on his head.
0: <laughs> there we go
1: yeah one thing as well um i like here is like the way the dynamic changes like they're all like firing like the military like to shoot all the kryptonians or all the aliens as they're calling them at this point including superman and even though he's getting like fucking hammered with like machine guns and shit he's still like catching them as they're falling out of their helicopters and shit and then they kind of slowly reveal like all oh, right this guy's actually on our side and we could do probably him on our side because here and El badass the others are so it's nice the way that kind of the perception of him as a character changes during the scene
0: yeah because it's the colonel isn't it, who turns around and says actually he's not our enemy he kind of realizes this guy is actually the good guy and zod's the prick
1: yeah which you would have thought might have been obvious i mean i wear a lot of black but like you've got these evil looking bastards (laughs) in black suits and you've got a guy in a kind of shiny blue suit trying to protect innocents and they still haven't quite figured it out but there you go that's the military for you
0: (laughs) yeah i was gonna say if someone put up the two characters to me and said which one's the bad guy i wouldn't have gone for superman but there we go yeah
1: <laughs> so now um zod deploys his most powerful terraforming device the world engine which severely damages metropolis that's putting it lightly and puts humanity's <laughs> existence at risk given the code name superman clark heads to the indian ocean to destroy the terraforming terraforming platform despite being weakened by his energy he succeeds Meanwhile, the military launches a a suicide attack to create a singularity which will send Zod's troops back to the Phantom Zone. Cal returns to Metropolis and confronts Zod, who pleads with him not to destroy the ship, as it will destroy Krypton. Cal briefly considers this, but states that Krypton had its chance before destroying the ship. He flees the crashing vessel and saves Lois from the singularity. With the ship destroyed, Krypton's only hope for a revival is gone. Zod vows to destroy Earth and its inhabitants um, out of revenge. The two Kryptonians engage in a lengthy battle across Metropolis, which concludes with Clark is forced to kill Zod as he attacks a family at the train station. So this kind of brings everything around here. Like they've accepted Superman. They've given him his name um, out of the blue. And then obviously, I really like this fight scene, but fuck me, is it mental? It's probably the most long winded destructive fucking superhero battle I think I've ever seen is just insane.
0: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um when that sort of thing was it? what I can't what he calls it now when he releases the world entered. yeah he releases that and it lands. Obviously you get one in the ocean then one over in Metropolis. When it's over Metropolis it reminded me of War of the Worlds the way the ships just hover over the city in War of the Worlds. I don't know if you've got that vibe.
1: Yeah definitely and I really like the sound effect it has. It's a really weird kind of like pulsing sound um and i like the design of it the way it's like sending the shockwave through the entire earth's core and kind of terraforming it's pretty cool setup but yeah definitely some war of the world stuff going on there and you, it, it, although it's a long sequence a long battle scene you do get to see it from a lot of perspectives like you see perry white and the reporters and stuff obviously on the ground and they're obviously trying to survive what's going on you got the army doing their thing, trying to fend off the Kryptonians, and Superman, he gets obviously pretty battered destroying the world engine before he comes back to Metropolis. But you do see the battle from various perspectives, so from that point of view, it's good to kind of see not just the action, but you're kind of seeing what this devastation is causing the regular people down below.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's very action-heavy, this whole sequence, very CGI-driven, but yeah, I kind of like that as well. Um, one thing I thought was quite weird, old Lois Lane's now in the playing with the army guys or whatever the the, the army themselves, she's just suddenly actually now in a fucking army uniform. When did she get changed into that?
1: Yeah, yeah. When did she get changed? And not being funny, just because obviously she's got a wide on for Superman, why the <laughs> fuck would they take her on the mission anyway? It's like you're a reporter for Christ's sake. I know again it's that whole love interest and he's got to save her from falling because you know, every time Superman's around, Lois Lane's got to fall off somewhere high. It's not Superman yeah. about it. But, um, again, it's like, why would they actually take her? She's not really going to do a lot. She's not military trained. She's not programmed to do this, like, plan that they're doing. So, again, it is a bit yeah. of an odd why like, she's even in the plane in the first place.
0: <laughs> and they found her a uniform from somewhere just to make her look the part. I thought that was a yeah. bit strange. But, yeah, um, again, going back to that thing I said earlier with the whole of Metropolis getting destroyed, or Smallville at that point, but now Metropolis, it's um the fucking city is getting absolutely battered by, like, fucking everything, in it? Buildings are crashing down. And I did like that scene where Lawrence Fishburne and a couple of his guys are running as that building's falling. That was quite tense. Obviously, you knew they weren't going to die, but it was well done.
1: Yeah. One thing, obviously, uh, spoiler alert, we're doing Batman versus Superman next week. When I saw this in the cinema and the first few times I watched it, I was like, man, this is, you know, just showing how destructive this Superman is, you know, this is a bit insane, but this part has a massive, massive... And this is what I like. This is where DC, this movie, compared to MCU, is so much better. Because fucking MCU, like whenever a superhero is fired, they always manage to destroy loads of shit anyway. There never seems to be any consequences in it. Whereas this event will have a huge impact on how what the story is for the next movie. And once you see Batman versus Superman, that's what I really liked, how they actually carried consequences over. But I won't say too much, but you'll when you watch the next movie, you'll see what I mean. But obviously the city gets fucking half destroyed by the world engine and everyone's thinking, oh, yeah, we're all good now. Old fucking Zod, he's still about. And then he's like, nah, I ain't fucking having this. And then the two of them just fucking punch each other through buildings and all kinds. And he obviously learns his powers. And it's just just when you think it's fucking calmed down, it just gets worse again.
0: Yeah, I'm quite glad you said that about the consequences because I thought at the end of this film, the whole fucking, well, not the whole city, but you sort of see a wider pan and certainly the, the core of the city's flattened, and I'm thinking, fuck me, there must be some kind of fallout from this. Yeah, right, Superman's saved the world inadvertently, but you know, what else has happened? How many people have died in the you know in the aftermath of this happening?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty insane. One thing I did like, I don't know if you noticed uh, um because quite a lot's going on, but there's a few Easter eggs during this fight, and we see things like Lex Core trucks and Wayne Enterprises, satellites and things, so that sort of Easter egg of the wider universe of like Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor and stuff dotted around. I don't know if you picked up on any of that.
0: I didn't, bread roll. Um, I probably would have noticed it, although I'm not, like I say, a huge fan of these sort of things. I do know the characters and I would have picked up on that, but I was probably kind of typing and looking up because it's so fucking action and CGI driven, this last thing. It's so, so much going on. It's hard to take it all in the first
1: time around. One thing I will say about this scene, I know we joke about Zack Schneider and his fucking slow motion, Although there is slow-mo in this, not a lot of this fight scene is slow-motion. It's pretty... I like the way it's shot in real time almost because emphasising their strength. Like Superman punches Zod and he fucking flies about a mile across the city through about 10 buildings and he comes back and punches Superman the other way. And I think doing it in real time really kind of accentuates how strong they are.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree with that. I mean, there isn't really any slow-mo that I remember. I mean, almost it's fucking sped up rather than slowed down. It is like say one punch and one of them goes half a mile across the city, taking out about 10 buildings in the process.
1: So after all that, um, Clark adopts the moniker Superman and persuades the government to let him act independently under the condition. He does not turn and turn against humanity to gain covert access to dangerous situations. He takes a job under his civilian identity, Clark as a freelance reporter for the daily planet. And that pretty much wraps up the movie. Um, on that one. I mean, it's just obviously it rounds things off, doesn't it? The main thing is obviously he's forced to kill Zod, which obviously he's not happy about. And that ruffled a few feathers because normally superheroes don't kill. But Mm -hmm. I think from this point of view, it was done to the fact that like Zod isn't an evil character, in my opinion. He never has been. I quite like Zod as a character from reading comics. And I like the way Michael Shannon plays him in this, but he is obviously a, a soldier. He's been bred for one particular reason and that's all his reason is and he's kind of like he's not evil but he's got one purpose and his purpose has been taken away and now he's gone pretty fucking loopy to be honest
0: yeah yeah totally get that in in the it's not the last thing so last scenes obviously Clark being introduced to Lois at the Daily Planet um there's a scene before that where um superman shot down some 12 million pound drone or something and it's just the general turns around and says, are you effing stupid? And I thought that was pointless, really. I mean, obviously, it's a 12-rated film. So don't make him say effing. Either say fucking or say something else. Just way he said, it actually purposely said effing. just sounded really strange.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I don't like the, that scene at all. Um, that it's bit, yeah, like you said there, when he's like, yeah, it's completely pointless because he's like, are you effing stupid? Which, again, is I like just say, are you stupid? Or just, you know to say a oh, bloody hell or something like that. Yeah. But the thing about this scene is the whole movie is quite somber. It's very it's very serious and dark. And they just try and throw like a random joke in here. Like he turned around and the girl or the woman, she sort of stood there and she's like, oh I think he's just kind of hot or something. Which yeah she's not wrong. But um <laughs> it's the fact that like, you know, it was just a line that didn't make sense. And also like Superman's like um I grew up in Kansas, you know, I'm about as American as it gets and surely the military could think hang on if Lois Lane can find you based on a few stories the fucking military okay. will be able to find out who you are so it's just things like that They're just I think this scene is a bit stupid
0: it was just I didn't really understand why it was there I was thinking it's, it's something else going to happen here but no then it just cuts them to the, the Daily Planet and obviously you get that thing where he's got his glasses on now so no one knows who he is and uh, it <laughs> ends so yeah a bit strange
1: yeah, next time we meet up and wear my glasses, I'll take them off so you know it's me, because obviously I don't want you to not realise it's me because it's such a <laughs> disguise.
0: <laughs> my glasses are on red roll, so if we were doing this via video cam, you'd probably think you were talking to a stranger, but there we go.
1: <laughs> oh, man, well, what can you do? <laughs> There's another thing that needs a bit of modernising. But anyway, we digress. Um, that is uh, Man of Steel done in uh, the hyperbaric goat fashion. Um, so the only thing left to do is do some reviews. Now, I'm going to review this one Give my result first, because I'm really interested to hear what you're going to say about this movie. All week I've been thinking, like, where's he going to land on this? Is he going to fucking hate <laughs> it? Is he going to love it? I just I have no idea what you're going to think about this movie. So I'm going to go first and just uh, give myself a little bit of suspense before you uh, give yours, if that's OK.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to say you go first, Brad Royal. As I, made, um, well, I went first last week because I was this exactly the same position with you and the suicide squad. So, yeah, go go for it, Red
1: okay so I saw this movie in the cinema um, and i got a admit when I came out the first time I saw it I didn't quite know what I thought because it is so full on the way it jumps around and it darts about all over the place um, and then it's just a big fucking action fest it's pretty much a movie, it's two movies in one, it's like the first half is like just a, a drama, scene building, character developing and then it just literally gives all that away for some fucking an hour's worth of action on subsequent watches I've really grown to love this movie. Like I really, really like Henry Cavill as Superman. He's always been an awkward character for me because i always thought of all the superheroes. He's always overpowered. He's probably quite hard to get right, even though I grew up with Christopher Reeve and this classic and it's fun. But as JT said, they're probably a bit shit if you watched them now. I really like the emphasis that they did to do something different with a superhero movie. They made it serious. They wanted to focus on emotion. They wanted to focus on what a situation would be like if in real life someone like Superman existed. And yeah, it jumps all over the place. And we know that DC has had loads of issues of interference from the studio over the years, which is why they're in a shit state at the moment, movie-wise. But even with all that, I still think they did a fucking good job. And I love this movie. I think Henry Cavill is great as Superman. The rest of the cast is good. The action is ridiculous, but it really, really drives home how powerful Superman is, which from the story we're going to get next week, it's a huge, obviously, consequence um, thematically, really. So, yeah, I'm going to give this movie, I'm not going to give it a five because it's not up there of Alien or anything, but it's one of the best superhero movies, in my opinion. And I'm going to give it a good, strong four for this. I really, really like this movie. And over the every time I watch it, I like it even more and I find more and more to enjoy about it. So, yeah, good marks, uh, four from me.
0: Mm, good stuff, profile Right. So you've been waiting for this, have you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have been, but I, I think I'm going to regret that statement now. <laughs> fucking no others. It's probably going to be like a fucking, I don't know, no-go.
0: <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so here we go. Now, this, this probably isn't a bad film, don't get me wrong. It's just, it's not my thing. Um, <laughs> this is probably going to upset you because I never really watched much of henry cavill in it before and he's good as superman but he reminded me as superman and i've seen pictures of his other characters and he doesn't look anything like that he reminded me of andy murray the fucking tennis player for some reason i couldn't see past that i don't know why i just every time i looked at him i thought it's fucking murray Murray. i don't know why i got that from this film he
1: ain't a miserable prick like andy murray
0: (laughs) well i don't know what it was but um some of the acting sequences were cool don't get me wrong you know stuff we'd seen before some of the cgi was a bit PlayStation-ish. some of it was really good the film is nearly 10 years old now so we kind of expect that um i didn't like zod and you've said all the way through this how you liked him um i'm not familiar with any of the other characters this guy's played the actor i'm not really familiar with michael shannon i didn't like zod i thought he was a dick and not because you're supposed to think he was a dick i just didn't think he was a good bad guy um I thought Amy Adams was actually quite cute. She surprised me um, as, as Lois Lane, although she was a bit weird when she went up in the plane for no apparent reason. She did her job. Um, and the whole jumping around with flashbacks, as I've said, was a bit confusing, a bit disjointed. Maybe if I watched it again, I'd get my head around it a bit more. Obviously, it's fucking long, and you know how much I hate long films. So the fact this is two and a half hours long and it's a superhero film, I thought he sticks me right up with this one. Um, it's not terrible, but just because it's not my thing, I can only really give it two others and I wouldn't rush to see it again. I'm afraid bread roll. But it's not the worst one I've ever seen. It's just, it's just not my bag. So two others for me, bread roll.
1: Ah, uh, fair enough. It's, uh, I, was, I was hoping it was, you know, not going to be a one, <laughs> um, no, no. but no, I definitely get what um, you're saying. There, Cause I know you're not a fan of these sort of movies. And when I, rec- I uh, bleh, suggested we do it and you were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I was like, oh fucking hell, let's, you know, right on. At least he's going to give it a try. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying there, and it is a very jarring movie. And I think the reason a lot of people don't like this film is because of the way it's ju- it, just the way it is. Basically, they're so they're so used to that kind of like shorter, uh, instant kind of formula movie of the MCU that this movie is trying to do something so different, and people either just don't get their head around it, or it's just not their bag, as you just said. So I definitely understand why. Some people don't like it, and I definitely understand why you don't like it because you're not a superhero fan, as such. But um, yeah, two others, you know, fair play coming from yourself. I thought it was going to be like one or none, so <laughs> better than I thought it was going to be.
0: I couldn't give it none or one because I can see what they're trying to do, and some parts of it are really good. And you know, it's just as I say, it's not my bag. Um, and my dad said something really random when I said we we're doing this film. He said he's never seen. A good Superman film and I said what about the old uh, Christopher Reeve ones but again he's, he said I mean he's obviously in his 70s and he's grown the comics and he just says that no one has played Superman the way that the comics have portrayed him and that's coming from someone who's been there since the start really which I thought was a bit strange but there we go that's his view
1: No that's fair enough and again I think it's one of those things I've always been on the fence with this character growing up like I say watch the old Donner movies I, I like obviously Henry Cavill but... But yeah, the comic books I've read, a few of the stories and stuff, um, yeah, I think he's just a really hard character to get right because when a character is that power- powerful, mm. he's kind of like hard to really kind of be like, well, what are you going to put in front of him to slow him down? I mean, granted, yeah, he's got other Kryptonians to fight, but day to day, he's a hard character to portray because it's like, what are you going to fucking do to stop him? He's like a god, almost.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally that. And I think that's where... I mean, the boys, obviously not Superman, but the way they portray superheroes being complete dicks with their powers, that's probably why I like that so much, because it is the complete anti-superhero, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah, and it's like everything, probably Superman, Homelander, that is, would have become, obviously, if it wasn't for him having a decent dad like Jonathan Kent, who taught him, obviously, the right way, they would just be dicks, wouldn't they? But uh, we're digressing into uh, the boys. Um, That is Man of Steel, and next week we are doing the follow-up uh, Batman vs. Superman, which again, we'll see what you think of this one, uh, JT. But if you've enjoyed the episode, then please let us know at the Hyperbaric Ghost on Twitter. Um, you can also keep up to date with our other podcast, our Only Fools and Horses podcast. And if you want to recommend a movie for us to review, um, please do. And also, if there's any movies we do review that you really like and you want to come and be a guest on the show, let us know and we'll try and arrange it for you to join us during a, a recording session.
0: Yeah, that'd be brilliant. You could actually make it a bit more professional, maybe, or even less professional. Who knows? But it's all good fun. I mean, we just do this for a laugh, really. So, yeah, please hit us up on Twitter if you want to come on and chat with us, as I said on the post I put out the other day, because we're definitely up for having people on. It's all good fun, and, um, yeah, it'd be good.
1: Lovely stuff. So thanks for joining us, as always. And for this week, this is Brad Rolls signing off.
0: And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Out there, amongst the stars... He will be free.